This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello, uh, and welcome back to Pulling Back the Canvas. This is the podcast where I talk about art. It was started, and I was just discussing this uh, with my um, guest for today. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm St. Mary's Environment Officer. Um, my name is Francesca Warren. I feel like my name should probably be important. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, I do environmental geosciences, so... I'm sort of here to just give a background of yeah, what I know. You are providing the science for today because... <laughs> oh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Miss Art, you're Miss Science. Yeah. So together <laughs> we'll change the world. <laughs> um, no, but I was just discussing how this podcast started as a, um, you know, stories behind art. And st- <laughs> but now it's just turned into a whole other thing. So I suppose today we are kind of telling a story through mm. art, but it's more of a reality than a story at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, which kind of sucks, <clears throat> but it is still interesting to have a chat about. So yeah, today we're going to have a chat about climate change, about climate change art um, and telling the story of climate change, I suppose, mm-hmm. through artwork. And also having a think about whether art makes science perhaps more accessible Um, or perhaps if it's not effective at all, or is it good for hope, feeling empowered? Um, And we can have a chat about that at the end as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, because climate change is a very real, very scary thing. Very real, yeah. Um, And we've had a lot more heightened discourse and Mm. demands from the government about it recently. Especially with COP26 and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and yeah so it's sort of thinking about how the art of climate change goes from you know making crafts in primary school i remember making like this weird like sculpture of uh, a <laughs> a a world that's being chained down to a factory wow um, I know, it was, it was <laughs> that's visceral. very deep it was visceral <laughs> how old were you at this point <laughs> <laughs> i think it was like year four wow that's brutal Um, yeah from that to you know like large scale protests so there's a lot of art to work with Um, yeah exactly yeah yeah. ours were just yogurt pots we just used to bake (laughs) things out of yogurt pots and be like we're saving the environment (laughs) reuse reuse recycle (laughs) reduce reuse recycle that's the other one reduce reduce reuse recycle we kind of forget about the reduce that's okay what a shame (laughs) R.I.P. to reduce (laughs) So yes, climate change art. Um, I there was we were having a chat about this before we started recording as well. There is so much on this. I thought this was would be mm. like a nice little niche. It's not a niche. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> There's so much. We've been sharing this like um, Google document, and I just keep adding this stuff. <laughs> it was your texting me last night, being like, "So I've added a few more things," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> Um, Yeah, but one of the main things that I found, which was actually really interesting, was this 2005 article by Bill McKibben. Um, And yeah, written all the way back now, what's that, 16 years ago, Mm. um, questioning where the artists were in the conversation and activism around climate change. Mm -hmm. There were some weird parts. There were some interesting parts too. (laughs) Um, One of the key quotes from this is, where are the books? Where are the plays? Uh, the goddamn operas like he's saying why aren't people talking about this yeah. i suppose back in 2005 i suppose it was not yeah so it's kind of weird because um obviously we kind of started realizing about climate change in the 70s 
and uh, seventies yeah. and eighties, and that was when like loads of big protests and stuff kind of started. And then, um, so I was talking to my mum about this actually the, the other week, and she was saying that she was watching um, just an, like an old show from when they were when she was younger, mm. um, and they had people talking about climate change, and it was from the seventies. This this show. And she was like, I didn't realise that we knew so far back mm. what had actually what was actually going on. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, it's just the fact that nothing was really done. Yeah, it was like 15 years ago. Yeah. that, And it's mad that you think if something had ha- happened in the past, would we have been in this situation? Been in a different spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, so, yeah, so obviously this was 16 years ago, like you said, with the Bill McKibben article. Yes. Um, um, and he kind of says that he thinks that maybe it's not talked about because it's too big of a Mm. topic and he says it's interesting and I think it's still valid now Mm -hmm. he said uh, quote when something is happening everywhere all at once it threatens constantly to become backdrop context instead of of event Mm -hmm. uh, end quote and I suppose we're just so like used to it now because we've grown up with it yeah yeah I remember um, I remember seeing like we had uh, lessons and things in primary school about it from like the age of eight and things like that like when you could really understand things a lot better um we were having lessons on how to how to improve your carbon footprint and things like that so yeah i think it's a lot more out there now so i think it is a lot easier for people to understand what's going on which is possibly why there's more um artworks now yeah no definitely yeah um yeah because even the stuff that we've picked up today the artworks we picked up today were all Mm -hmm. pretty recent yeah um they're all within the past 10 years. And I think um, it's it's now kind of got to a point where everyone's thinking, you know, we've gone so far, nothing's changed, we need to make big differences. And yeah. the way that people can make diff- big differences are through like artwork and things like that, so. Yeah, I think in that sense, artwork's quite a mobilizing thing because mm-hmm. a lot of people can see it. It's very um, uh, sort of widely accessible because yeah. especially a visual yeah. art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he also in this in the Bill uh, the McKibben article he brings up disaster movies, which I think was quite interesting. Mm. He talked about the Day After Tomorrow because that was released in two thousand four, so it was a year before the article. Um, and he was saying that essentially these movies dramatize the story of of climate change and make it something that seems uh, quote physically bizarre and mm-hmm. silly end quote. Um, and I suppose does this potentially disillusion people? Because, I mean, you can class films as art as well. Yeah, it's yeah. just a more widely accessible, normalised form of art. Uh-huh. Have disaster movies and that kind of art form mm-hmm. uh, possibly disillusion people from from climate change? Yeah, so when I saw they mentioned The Day After Tomorrow and like this mention, um, in Freshers Week, on my course, we were suggested to watch The Day After Tomorrow just <laughs> because, uh, it, because even though it is so dramatised, and it is over like something like a week or something like that in the film. Um, all of the events that happen in the film could actually happen from climate change, right. like all the tidal waves. Um, what you've, uh, so tidal waves, flash freezing, um, that type of thing. These could potentially happen if yeah. nothing really changed in the future. Obviously, we'd probably all be a bit morbid, be a, be a bit dead by then <laughs> if, if this was the case. But um, yeah, and it would be on a much, much larger scale. But the whole um, idea of what could happen with climate change is very real. Um, But I do think the whole dramatization, thank you, (laughs) uh, of the film 
could lead to people thinking that it's more fiction really and being like yeah. oh well it's never really going to be that bad because it's just a film um yeah i think that yeah. that might be it especially mm-hmm. with what was it like jake gyllenhaal running through a corridor as ice yeah. <laughs> chases him <laughs> it's a bit dramatic but uh. um yeah so it makes everyone think it's like oh this is mm-hmm. not a big deal after all this yeah. is never gonna happen in our lifetime yeah exactly but realistically yeah so, so yeah yeah mckibben then goes on to say um quote art like religion is one of the ways we digest what is happening to us makes the sense out of wait makes the sense out of it that proceeds to action otherwise the only role left to us noble but also enraging in its impotence is simply to pay witness end quote Mm. so what do you think of that that seems really i suppose it's like hope but with a side of um just helplessness and i suppose that's what he's saying and where where is the art to um create this conversation yeah to feel like we're doing something yeah i suppose so yeah it's this idea that perhaps art can help um promote Mm -hmm. climate change activism or at least have a conversation about it i think it does as well like when we're going to talk about some of the other ones i think um especially the ones uh the one where they walk through the town i can't remember which one that was the red rebels yes yeah 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 the red and blue rebels um I think that kind of puts it in your face as well. So I think I think yeah. if, if there's, there is different types of um, art that is so public that you're kind of forced to think about it. Yeah, you don't have really not like you don't have an option. Yeah, but and that we'll, sort of idea. We will go on to the extinction extinction mm-hmm. rebellion yeah. um, performances because they are made like big in a yeah. major way at yeah, the yeah, moment, yeah. and I think they're really effective. Yeah, no, and that's still agreed. an art form. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so on to some actual art. <laughs> um, our first artist we're going to discuss is John Aconfra, who made a, a, an exhibition, an art piece, mm. called Purple in 2017. Uh, he's a British artist. And it was, this, this exhibition was essentially, um, I think it was six videos or something like that, six or seven videos all playing at once in this room with soundscapes, things like that going on at the same time. So it was like this very uh, sensory piece of art and it was showing different video clips uh, from both archive footage uh, from like the 40s up until modern day and Mm. also stuff he's filmed uh, around the world. Um, So all sort of spliced together. Um, And the point of this, I think, Yes, his quote on it was, uh, quote, this is not the 18th century anymore. It's not unlimited landscapes and unlimited space to explore ad infinitum, wasting away, trashing away as we go along, game over, end quote. So he's thinking about um, an idea of finitude or encroaching closure, I think he calls it, um, Mm. uh, behind his work. So it's designed to make the watcher feel like they are witnessing like all this going on at the same time, much like climate change is going on at the same mm-hmm. time. So he's talking about how we need to treat the earth, the world with more respect mm-hmm. as it is like dying yeah. because we're not in the 18th century anymore. We're yeah. not going out discovering places. We need to look after what we've got. What we've got. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's all these videos at the same time, all very separate, but in conversation with each other. Um, and then you have to, I think he said in a video, um, it's the idea of making decisions as well. So you can choose, you only can look at one screen at a time. It's mm. quite hard to look all at all of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, so that was a that was a big um, 
uh, a big exhibition. I think he showed it in America as well. Um, and the choice of the name purple um, comes from um, it's it's typically the color purple is typically associated with death and mourning in West African cultures because he's from of Ghanaian descent. So translate that to the death of our planet. Mm. Um, yes, so that that is the that's the artwork, and it seems quite powerful. Um, I think there was a there was a, a comment underneath one of the videos where someone said that they went to this exhibition and it was very moving and people actually left the room crying because it was so moving. Um, and I think that's that's good to see because often you see such yeah. artworks and you don't actually know because this particularly this artwork because it would have mm-hmm. you have to be there to yeah experience yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think the fact that people were obviously so affected by it as well would hopefully have a positive impact mm. in the fact that you think well if you were so moved by it that it uh, drew your tears then it just shows that people obviously do really care about stuff like this it's not um it's not like people are just kind of walking around the street being like oh i don't care about climate change <laughs> um yeah so that isn't that is an interesting one he's a mm-hmm. well-renowned artist for this kind of thing mm-hmm. like doing the video videoscapes and stuff like that there is then the conversation that if this is this piece is being shown in a gallery somewhere is it really being shown to everyone like it is the idea yeah, yeah. i think i've talked about this before how art seems like a not like not a lot of people can go see it like mm-hmm. they feel uncomfortable going to galleries and things like that mm-hmm. so is it affecting a lot of people or is it more just a niche group of people are going to see this and be affected by it? Yeah, I know what you mean, because I think when, uh, even with the the clips and things that you've attached, it's very hard to kind of grasp it as well as if you were there, because obviously the article, for example, just kind of shows the pictures from different parts of it, or like a, a clip of, say, five screens, but obviously they aren't a video, so you're not really... Yeah, unsure, and you can't actually see that... I suppose yeah. that is in an in-the-moment kind of mm-hmm. art piece that you can see. Um, and it is quite sad. I'm sure it was an amazing piece to yeah. be there personally to see it. But it is quite hard as someone who can now only see it, like a picture of it online. Yeah, yeah. Um, about how how effective that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still a powerful piece. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, yes. Leading people to tears, that is... <clears throat> I know. That is I saw that comment and I was like, "Oh gosh." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I, the the comment goes on to say, uh, "quote I remember me and my colleagues even skipped lunch because we were very emotional." End quote. So that must have wow. been it. Must have been an amazing piece to see. Yeah. Just can't That's can't only, see it. That's only happened to me after I've seen Les Mis and <laughs> in, in the cinema. So <laughs> first time I see Les you, you know that was a. <laughs> yeah, and also the idea that because there is only there is so many screens going on at once it's the idea that you can't capture the entirety of climate change within one sitting there has to be multiple things going on around you because it is so extensive and it happens it's happened for so many years now mm. and um well since post industrial times um and the idea that you can't really capture that within a video or a couple of videos they ha- you have to have this ongoing cycle of different things you know you can kind of link that to the fact that it is so big that it could never just be one piece of artwork it would have to be multiple yeah in that sense yeah 
Okay, so our next uh, artwork is by a Chinese contemporary artist called Kai Guozhang, um, and it's titled The Ninth Wave. I can't remember, I didn't write down what year it was from. I think it was a, couple, a few years ago now. Um, and it was a piece as a commentary and awareness about China's pollution crisis. So he created this big old fishing boat and covered it in sickly animals. So you've got tigers, leopards, pandas, I think there's hyenas on there as well. Mm. Um, and then um, placed in the atrium of the Power Station of Art, which is a contemporary art museum in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing about this one is that the boat was actually delivered to the gallery via a barge. So mm-hmm. you'd have this boat fl- uh, like yeah. floating down the, the river. The river, wasn't it? Yeah, and it yeah. apparently had to pass the financial district of Shanghai, mm-hmm. which was all part of Kai's statement. So he said, quote, if I use a boat like Noah's Ark to ship the animals, the feeling is very good. The message of the artwork can reach the city and the mm-hmm. masses, end quote. Yeah, and especially since Shanghai is the um has the biggest carbon footprint in china oh really yeah um it's it's completely driven by manufacturing exports and things like that and it's yeah it's carbon footprint is mad um i found a i found an article that was just it was showing you how um the carbon footprint across china and it was on a color scale so it was like green was okay and then it got down to red um and the areas around Shanghai were just like deep red. red. <laughs> no. um, yeah. So yeah. So that's a, a the a statement in itself. Then taking this this boat all the way through uh, the center of Shanghai. Yeah, and I think because it's obviously such got, got such a massive impact on the world. This one city that obviously delivering it to the people who could make a difference, especially going along like the finance sector and things like that. The other people who mm. probably are making the most impact. So it's kind of pushing it in their face, being like, come on, yeah, what are you doing? Look at this. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is what's happening. Yeah, and then that's more likely to gain traction, like, media-wise, get yeah. people thinking, get people talking. Um, yeah. And also, it's very easy to um, take in, I guess. I've seen mm-hmm. pictures of it, and it's just there. Yeah. It's yeah. there. It's, there's nothing... It's right in your face. Yeah. Yeah. There's no sort of... Uh, deep metaphors there's mm-hmm. no I mean of course there is a metaphor you've got dying animals on a boat yeah and then you've got the Noah's Ark thing yeah but it is very in your face um mm-hmm. uh there's it's just like not up for interpretation yeah this is about climate change yeah, yeah. um so I'd, I'd put a, a quick little point on that would kind of link to the next art piece we wanted to talk about um just about the fact that we often, as Westerners who are nice and developed and have the ability to um, to change our way of living to a more sustainable life, um, it can co- sort of seem as if we're telling off developing countries. Mm. Um, obviously, China's not as developing as it has been. Um, it's a lot more developed, especially in areas like Shanghai, one of the, you know, one of the biggest um, economic yeah. hotspots and things. But, um, yeah, the idea that we could tell them off for using coal, but then if they can only use coal, yeah, <laughs> then it's unfair of us to be like, I mean, well, can't really you talk. can't use it when when we were the ones who <laughs> yeah. who've become developed because of the use of fossil fuels and things. Um, it was in the before. Have you seen the before the flood documentary that no, Leonardo DiCaprio did? 
So, um, yeah, and he kind of, he went all around the world and was kind of discussing climate change issues and stuff. And I remember watching it back in, well, it was must have been 2018, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, like a National Geographic one. Yeah, so in, the, in this documentary, he was talking to this Indian climatologist and she was saying, you know, you can't, you can't say anything to us when we don't use as much coal as people have in the past. They use a lot of biofuels and stuff there. Um, from say like cow dung and things like that, especially the more uh, like the poorer areas and things, they'll use biofuel for cooking and stuff like that. Um, and he kind of pointed out like you know <laughs> you, you are one of the you can use a lot of coal within your country, and she's like yeah, well, not all of us use coal, and if you can't blame us for doing something yeah. that used it in the past. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the idea that we need to stop kind of berating poorer countries for doing the exact same thing that we have in the past, yeah. but just kind of helping them on the way to being more green um, yeah. that we need to do, um, which I think kind of leads on to the next one. Yeah, no, I think it does because this this next artwork isn't, it is about climate change, it is about changing mm-hmm. climates, um, but it is looking more at the social side mm-hmm. and implications and uh, effects of climate change. So this is by Alison Janae Hamilton, who's a uh, an American artist, born in Kentucky, raised in the South, like Florida, Tennessee. Um, big impact on her art, uh, lots about the American South, and then also climate change and nature being the heart of that as well. Um, and she had a uh, an artwork from t- 2018 called The People Cried Mercy in the Storm, it's from a poem, I believe. Uh, I think back in like the early 20th century, there was mm. a huge storm that ravaged the South. Um, right. And then uh, just sort of applied it to modern day with, um, you know, that's a very uh, susceptible area to mm. storms and um, hurricanes and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's a line from that poem. And also the... The artwork was to think about natural disasters and also how communities grapple with the effects of natural disasters and how mm. they become social disasters yeah. as well. Uh, so she built, uh, made this statue of a, a tower of tambourines in, tambourines in the in a park. Uh, so it's an immense uh, and delicate structure to to be faced with, and it's much like the aftermath of of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. So I think this one's really interesting as it takes the social view mm-hmm. and impact of climate yeah. change. It's not just an environmental one. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, especially it's obviously the the poor who are most affected yeah. by climate change um, because they often live in areas that aren't as developed and things like that, and sort of are more risk from say flooding and um, extensive pollution things like that. Um, I was in a, yeah, I was at a protest the other week by Ukuduyu and the head of the Working Class Society was talking about how he has grown, he grew up in like an inner city around London yeah, and used to get nosebleeds and things all the time from the level of pollution really? and things there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's just the fact that because obviously when when you're sort of in that position, you can't move out and kind of move yeah. out from the disasters that are happening around you because of issues to do with climate change. Um, we have like the first uh, we have climate refugees because of their and their towns being flooded and things because of sea level rise. Yeah. Um, and it is the poorest who are most affected by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there was that uh, reminds me of the quote 
going around, I can't remember what it is exactly, but it's something like uh, climate activism without class struggle is just gardening. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I think is very valid, and I think that feeds into this particular piece of art. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you've got these hurricanes in the south of America, but uh-huh. it is the poorer people yeah. who, or communities that are getting hit hardest. Yeah, because they, they don't have the same type of insurance, they no. don't have anything like that and you know if if your house gets blown down and you've got two others in different cities then you're fine but if that's the only place of residence you've ever had for example like for an example you know then you're just stuck and they're taking the impact of climate change but not causing it yeah exactly which is the yeah which is the big the clincher thing yeah um i think that also leads nicely into uh the next artwork or I suppose exhibition um this is the big weather exhibition which was shown at the National Gallery of Victoria in Melbourne uh Australia um and it was a collection of indigenous art um and it's uh commentary uh, like an overall commentary on colonization and also the future of environment and environmentalism um, so there's quite a few. There's a few really lovely pieces of art in this in this exhibition. I picked out I think mm. three, two or three. Um, I think I picked out two, but then there was another one that was also really good. So I added that as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ariel, stop. No. <laughs> um, so the first one is by Clinton Nainer, uh, called "Stolen Climate" uh, twenty from 2020. So these are all uh, from last year. So this one is very. I don't want to say on the nose, but it is. There is no holding back with this piece of art, um, uh-huh. and I think that's really cool within this yeah. this piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's the the uh, Nana used uh, cotton and bleach to create. Uh, I suppose they're like tapestries, mm-hmm. um, and really referencing slavery and colonialism with it, uh, colonization within it. I suppose uh, colonialism as well. Um, so thinking about the involvement of the cotton industry mm. uh, within which was major part of the slave trade um, and then using bleach to create the uh, the designs um, much like uh, white colonization. So uh, mm. they quote uh, the white king imperialists, as, as Nana calls it. Um, so then it's also thinking about indigenous cultural knowledge of environment too. Um, yeah. The fact there's a long history before colonization. Um, but it's been wiped out, mm-hmm. bleached out, so yeah. thus the use of bleach. Nice. Um, so there's a wider metaphor to it. Um, so now, and then Nana also says, it's now up to what we do to dictate our future, saying nothing is separate. Mm-hmm. Um, so intertwining past, present and future, especially in concern to climate change and, and mm-hmm. climate activism. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a really cool piece of art. Um, yeah. It's also nice to see this the, another artist thinking about nothing is separate, like um, a conference yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. at the start, thinking of everything all together. Um, and I think that's a big thing about climate change activism because mm-hmm. it affects everyone. Yeah. Um, it does affect more people worse yeah. than others, but we but are all living on this planet. Yeah, <laughs> as, yeah as one humanity. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the fact that they try to include about how indigenous cultures have always looked after the environment and live sustainable lives. Mm. Um, so the, the idea that, um, yeah, how they ma- 
I'm going to nick your point here. Sorry. Take it. Take my point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that they have managed bushfires. Yeah. Um, no, I found that really interesting. My brother mm-hmm. told me again about that the other day. Yeah. Um, how um, indigenous people have been managing mm-hmm. bushfires for centuries yeah. before the white man came to Australia. <laughs> um, and that meant that they could manage smaller plots of fire yeah so that there was no undergrowth that could result in large-scale bushfires like we saw last year yeah yeah um and especially with with out of control fires like the ones that happened last year for example um it leads to so much exposed soil and things like that that you end up having all of that then washed into rivers which then massively affects the local water systems, which obviously will most affect, if there was indigenous tribes around there, for example, would obviously affect the indigenous tribes. And um, and as well as just normal waterways, like that is now gonna have to go into so much treatment in order to be safe to use. Um, like for for example, in opposite side of the world, but uh, in like the Amazon rainforest and things and rainforest settings with deforestation with cash, with cash crops, mm. um, you then expose that soil so much that once the cash crop has been used and cut away, yeah. the soil can't be used again. Um, so that's kind of why there is so much issue with deforestation in areas like the rainforest and stuff because it has been so exposed by the sunlight there because it's so close to the equator mm. that once it's exposed to the sun, then all the nutrients go and it's just dead soil. I mean it's the same thing again that's also uh, indigenous people Uh in in South America that are trying to advocate for this kind of thing um, and not being listened to because Mm -hmm. um, because people still want to make some some cash crops yeah and because like you know they did it sustainably as well they as soon as they they live they often uh, different tribes will live in one area for say a year Mm. use their resources but not to an extent use up what they need then kind of cut and not cut and burn but sort of like move on from that area to allow for that area then regrow so that in say 10 years they come back to the same spot and it's yeah. back to normal yeah and um, it just makes sense yeah it's, <laughs> it's completely sustainable whereas um, what we've done is just kind of knock it all down <laughs> yeah no i um, i actually saw it's interesting because i saw a video i think it was yesterday on uh-huh. tiktok hey TikTok. nice <laughs> um it was archaeology tiktok which i'm on <laughs> are we surprised classic no um but basically it was this guy saying that um mayan culture hasn't gone anywhere mayan people haven't gone anywhere mm-hmm. but they just no longer lived in cities like you know those big massive mayan cities right yeah they just no longer lived there because it was no longer resourceful uh-huh. or sustainable so they split off into smaller groups and lived uh in in smaller communities That's because cool. it was more resourceful and sustainable yeah, yeah. i was like that makes so, so much, much sense, sense. <laughs> yeah literally um and it um, kind of feeds into that as well yeah um because even with like the whole cash crop stuff because of the um fertilizers and things that people use within areas like cash crops and things there is a lot of like nitrates phosphates that type of stuff so when these then get washed into the waterways, which they do, there is no stopping them. They always wash in the waterways, um, especially if they're not controlled, um, can cause a lot of eutrophication, which um, is when you have a lot of nutrients put into water, then it promotes a lot of um, algae and stuff to grow. Yeah. Uh, which, but on an extensive scale. So obviously, algae's mint for waters. But <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> algae's mint for waters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
obviously to not, to not not to the extent that happens when you have such a massive nutrient yeah. influx in the water. Um, so when that algae dies because it's quite short lived, mm. um, it causes lots of microorganisms and stuff to then break up that algae, which then takes all the oxygen from the water, and you end up with anoxic waters, which obviously yeah are not good. Um, that actually reminds yeah. me of, um, and I suppose it's an art form. My favorite film probably ever is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did not know about you. Anyway, but this <laughs> reminds me because I wrote my EPQ back in wow, 2012. Nice, nice. Yeah, 2012. No, year 12. Yeah, I think it was year 12. About Mad Max Fury Road. Incredible. Um, and how it's an allegory for a past, present, and future. <laughs> it was my I, favorite piece. What? Of <laughs> I need to read this. <laughs> um, but I did talk about eutrophication. In that yeah. Because there is a bit, well, the whole point of the movie uh-huh. is that uh, our, 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 our lass, uh, Furiosa, our main girl, <laughs> Furiosa, is trying to take um, the uh, Morton Joe's wives. She smuggles them out. Okay. And she's trying to take them to the green place. And right. this green place is a place from her childhood where everything was growing, everything was obviously green, and uh-huh. there was life um, and a, a sustained, you know, alive place. And this is amazing and a, a place of solitude because uh-huh. they are living in a wasteland. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's really interesting because as they're traveling to find it, they go past this... Um, sort of swampy area uh-huh. where there's people like on I don't know weird stilts and things trying to like pick through like this water and okay. it's all very dead desolate yeah and when they find um the many mothers who is uh, Furiosa's like tribe I suppose okay um all women big up Incredible. feminism <laughs> <laughs> um the many mothers say you went through the green place and that swampy place was the green place but it's now been desolated and they say stuff like um uh, the water was poisoned. Yeah. Um, nothing could grow there and things like that. Yeah. And I saw that as a metaphor for eutrophication. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. That yeah. Mad Max is actually a really good film for <laughs> climate. Uh, watch commentary. Mad Max, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Please watch Mad Max Fury Road. My film. <laughs> it is like a two hour long car chase, but, Incredible, you know, there was a lot of. <laughs> allegories for, for, for climate change. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, but that's a long tangent. I, I suppose that's another another art form. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so in some action way. Action movies. <laughs> um, and makes you think about climate. But the whole point of that movie is the quote, uh, who killed the world. And it is talking right, about okay. water wars. Like at the start, oh, yeah. there's yeah, water yeah. wars. They talk about how the earth is dying. We killed the world. Uh-huh. Things like that. So it's not oh, even wow. subtle about how it is <laughs> yeah. a commentary on climate change yeah um that's cool so yeah if anyone wants to read my EPQ, <laughs> <laughs> hit me up it's probably my favorite piece i've ever done because i had so much she, fun writing my it. my EPQ was uh, that's one of my favorite pieces ever yeah mine was just on play tectonics but you know so yeah if you want um an action-packed <laughs> climate change movie Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> um, <laughs> going back after the tangent, um, back to the back to the big weather exhibition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back on track. <laughs> I suppose it's still valid. I mean, Mad Max was filmed in Australia in the deserts of Australia. Well, so there you go. It's exa- it's valid. It's completely it's valid. It's completely valid. It makes so much sense um, for this run for this <laughs> for this art piece. Um, yeah, our next our next artist is uh, Trina Ham, who. Um, uh, made uh, this piece called The Eye of the Storm, again, 2020. Um, and it's one of these two cloaks made for the exhibition. So uh, she's a Yorta Yorta artist. 
um, uh, which is an indigenous uh, group of Australians that lived um, in the southeastern part of the country. So that's where Victoria, New South Wales is today. Um, so basically where the exhibition was taking place. Um, so yeah, The Eye of the Storm talks about her own experience of seeing the bushfires that we were talking about. Um, and also looking at the works of uh, a guy, Bruce Pascoe, who um, is also an Aboriginal writer, um, Aboriginal Australian writer, also from Melbourne. Um, and so his one of his famous books called Dark Emu looks at indigenous agriculture and engineering. So kind of what we were talking about already. Uh-huh. Uh, very much pre-colonial. But yeah, so this cloak, uh, The Eye of the Storm, is about the loss and destruction of the fires. Um, apparently three billion animal lives lost, which I didn't know. That's, That's mad. Incredible, yeah. but in the bad form of the word. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and it's also about the hope that indigenous people hold that the life will return mm. and that the land will be sustained yeah. afterwards. Um, God, I didn't know there was that many. Three billion. Three billion. That's just m- mad. Um, yeah, so the quote that goes along with it... Um, Hold on, where I, I do have it here. <laughs> so yeah, quote, central to First Nations identity are totems that represent who we are as people through practices of settlement, laws and regulations of the land. Our cultural landscape has been made more fragile and therefore more prone to bushfires. Mm. Beneath the possum skin cloaks symbols of what came to be in Australia 2019-2020 is an optimism that what was once wrong will become a balance and stability through worldwide First Nations consciousness will prevail, end quote. Mm. Um, and then it's also, there is another, um, the other cloak is called Dark Emu Spiritual Cu- Cultural Connections to Homeland, um, Homelands, which is also by Ham. Um, and that is also concerning spirituality with cultural ancestral objects um, like these cloaks. Um, and so it's thinking about culture and connection uh, to country and things like that. Um, so I suppose it is going off the same uh, thing about how indigenous people in Australia have been maintaining this land mm-hmm. for what thousands of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and now with bad um, management. colonial management, yeah. it's it's just all going wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I do like the idea that there is still hope, though, yeah, within, these, no. within these pieces. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you can kind of sort of link that maybe to the idea that the Great Barrier Reef, um, if we're going to stick yeah. in Australia. Yeah, um, we're here. <laughs> we're <laughs> in Australia. Australia. <laughs> um, yeah, and the idea that obviously it's undergone a lot of bleaching, but there has been a lot of um, areas that have come back from the bleaching. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that they, when they have been managed by um, different groups and things, and they have now kind of started to regrow these areas. Mm. So there is hope that we can change um, if we do change. Yeah, but there is also, uh, still on the indigenous people mm-hmm. line of thinking, um, there are um, new uh, indigenous fire management projects and things like that. So right. they are going back to indigenous people mm-hmm. and letting indigenous people manage this land. Yeah. Because it makes so much more sense because yeah, they exactly. have done that for, for centuries, gen- for yeah. thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and they know the land or know how to manage that land better. Better than anyone. Um, yeah. So there is hope there as yeah. well. Yeah, because... A really random 
semi-linking point, so a bit of a tangent. Oh, I mean, I went on a tangent about Mad Max. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so did you know that the Vikings, <laughs> complete opposite of <gasps> the world. I like Vikings, though. <laughs> um, that when they, they went to Iceland and they ended up dying there because, uh, well, oh. a small group of them anyway, it's not the entire Vikings, yeah. but um, yeah, they went to to Iceland, yeah. uh, cut down all the trees so they would make houses and things like that, oh. and then didn't realise that the climate, that Iceland has a very different climate to yeah. areas mm-hmm. in Scandinavia, and that trees don't grow fast. No, no, <laughs> and, no, their yeah. trees are like a meter yeah. tall. Yeah, there was uh, a joke where it's like, how do you... Um, how do you find your way out of an Iceland, Icelandic forest? <laughs> Stand up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously because they don't grow fast there, they couldn't get boats to get home. Um, so ah. obviously if there was people living on Iceland, they would know that. <laughs> and they, the Vikings could have asked them and been like, what am I going to do with yeah. with these trees? Nope. nope don't cut them down. <laughs> don't cut them down. That's what you should do. Yeah. yeah it's sort of the idea that ask the people who live there because they know that the best. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, it's just being mindful about yeah. your where you're living mm-hmm. and the the world around you, and I think that's just extended towards the whole world entirely. Yeah, exactly. Be mindful of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, thinking globally. Wow. Segue. Nice. <laughs> um, we're now having a look at Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> I love this piece. <laughs> I really did. Um, yeah. No, it is a dr- like really a cool. brilliant one. Yeah. Um, so I I truly think that Extinction Rebellion is an art form at this point. Yeah. Uh, like a, an activism art form. Uh-huh. Um, they are known for their dramatic and disruptive tactics mm-hmm. um, and also art in their displays and that activism. Um, one of the most, I think, recognisable one is mm-hmm. the Red Rebel Brigade. Um, so that is the, the people that dress all in red, give themselves white faces mm-hmm. and then just mime their way down the street I suppose yeah. that sounds really weird yeah. described like that but they yeah, do go they st- process yeah they have like um, markings on the hands to show like the fact mm. that they're extinction rebellion and they have a skull on one as well yeah. so that was quite cool yeah no super cool okay so the quote that goes along with it um, is quote red rebel brigade symbolises the common blood we share with all species that unifies us and makes us one as such, we move as one, act as one, and more importantly, feel as one. We are unity and we empathise with our surroundings. We are forgiving. We are sympathetic and humble, compassionate and understanding. We divert, distract, delight, and inspire the people who watch us. We illuminate the magic realm beneath the surface of all things, and we invite people to enter in. We make a bubble and calm the storm. We are peace in the midst of war. We are who the people have forgotten to be. End quote. Ooh, powerful. Oh, powerful. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's just very. It is very eerie seeing yeah. videos of them. I, um, I really like the fact that they are all dressed and look the same, mm. um, in the same like face paint and things. It's very much like we are one humanity. We kind yeah. of, we all have a job to do. So. Mm do it (laughs) yeah and sort of the idea that it affects all of us none of us are different in the fact that some of us might not be affected yes people are affected more depending on their um, financial and geographical stability and location Um, but it's a fact that it will affect us all we all have we Mm. all need to act so yeah I I like the I like that 
Well, yeah, it's it's like going back to what was it, Clinton Nina with the stolen climate saying nothing is separate. Yeah. So that was in in regards to past, present, and future. But I think this is also nothing is separate. Uh, yeah. Who whoever is um in on the world while climate change is happening. Yeah. Um. I also find it interesting that the Red Rebel Brigade actually first uh, turned up, um, uh, well, well, started out during the anti, uh, anti-Iraq war demonstrations in 2003. Yeah. I suppose it's the same thing. It's um, thinking about humanity, thinking about loss of life, yeah. thinking about yeah. protesting that. Yeah, in a form um, of art as well. In an art form yeah. to get people talking. Um, and I think that's what they say as well. They um, um, they were saying something about that. <laughs> I've lost it now. Um, but they were saying, yeah, no, on their website, they say the response from the public and press was far more than we ever imagined and things like that. And I suppose that is a good way of, you know, doing some climate activism and art form through climate activism because if you have something really weird to look at yeah. and really takes you aback it gets yeah. people talking why are they doing this yeah what are they doing it for oh it's for climate change uh-huh. interesting and you know gets the ball gets, moving yeah, a bit yeah gets the conversation going yeah um yeah um i think the first i'm going to mention the suit the sales from doctor who <laughs> it's the first thing i thought of when i saw them um yeah so if anyone's seen doctor who <laughs> in the files of pompeii episode um oh yeah that yeah. was the episode yeah 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 um, there is some people called the soothsayers who um, are actually I, I looked this up to make sure that they uh-huh. weren't <laughs> they weren't just made on Doctor Who um, yeah they're based on Sybils from ancient yeah. Greece no ancient um, historian yeah here she is <laughs> um, they were things which were prophetesses mm-hmm. um, who wore red cloaks like this so they wore red cloaks in Doctor Who but uh, there was also a nice painting of a Sybil uh, that also had a red cloak on so it's kind of I kind of took that kind of image and was like oh well a possible relation to the fact that they're seeing the people in the Extinction Rebellion are seeing the future that many are wanting to ignore Mm. and the idea that they are kind of saying you know this is going to happen we need to do something about it yeah Um, yeah no that painting is uh, Priestess of Delphi by John Collier um Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I love that painting so much because yeah. she's like looks high. Because that was the thing, <laughs> the the Sybils actually in in at Delphi, um, that people think that there was actually fumes coming up. Yeah. Um, and they'd also, I think they'd eat leaves or something like that. I can't remember right. now. Um, so they would like hallucinate, and mm-hmm. that's where the the oracle would come from. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the painting, um, uh, Priestess of Delphi by John Collier. Um, I yeah really cool and that they do look a lot like it and so yeah, yeah i suppose it's that thing of they're almost like um prophets prophets yeah. of death yeah um yeah. or prophets of a better future better future yeah. is however you want to interpret it yeah yeah um especially the, so they in the video clip that you'd attached as well of the red rebel brigade um they are walking through central London, so they pass Parliament and yeah. Buckingham Palace and stuff like that, and places that could really make a difference. So it's kind of pushing it in yeah. the people who can make a difference's face. Um, because, yeah, I, I did a speech at the protest I mentioned Ooh. earlier. Woo! Um, She's a speech maker. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mentioned the fact that it's got to a point now where 
consumers aren't really the issue it's more corporations mm. um and that they are the ones who can make the big di- big differences um and that as consumers we try our best but there's only so much we can do um yeah and so by by the red rebel brigade walking past them it's sort of being like you need to make a difference now we're doing what we can yeah i suppose it's like kai's ninth wave again mm-hmm. um going past the shanghai financial yeah. district yeah yeah it is making a statement in the face of the people yeah. who have the most power over changing the situation yeah exactly um which is a very powerful way to express your art form uh-huh um yeah okay the other um i suppose art form used by extinction rebellion is the skeletons rebellion which i Mm. saw a picture of and i was like oh my god that's so cool yeah um and it was representing endangered or extinct life forms um um and uh, being a reminder of mortality and things like that um and they made these huge um skeletons basically Mm. of different extinct or endangered animals um and uh, they're made out of newspaper piping, found materials, and then people working on them together. So it's a, so it's a collaborative community, and also reuse, re- recycle yeah. kind of yeah. um, art project. Yeah, I just um, put ooh nice on my. <laughs> yeah, Franz note really nice. Franz note on this is ooh nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does look very dramatic mm-hmm. with these massive skeletons yeah. just looming across everyone as they uh, parade down whatever street they're going down. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, I found a nice nature article on species extinction, um, and it's up to a million species have faced extinction due to human activities um, currently. A million? So about 75%, per- this is a quote by the way, uh, about 75% of land, 66% of ocean areas have been significantly altered by people. Crop and livestock operations currently co-opt more than 33% of lands, uh, the Earth's land surface and 75% of its freshwater resources. My um, gee yeah. whiz. I know, right? Spit some facts. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're here for. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, it's just sad, man. Like, mm. do we, we don't need, to, we don't need to. And obviously, if you affect one animal in the food chain, that affects the entire food chain. Um, if a predator goes, for example, all of the animals it would normally prey on Mm. going over population then all of the animals that them animals would prey on yeah. then all end up um getting over or uh then over predated um in that fact that mm. they'll then end up dying them off themselves because there'll be so many predators around yeah um it can also cause a lot of disease and infestations and things uh because of the fact that the insects obviously will either be out of control or would be yeah and yeah. cause random things to happen and especially like if you change the landscape of an area you end up getting animals coming into different areas of land that they would never normally be in contact with yeah and then they end up getting diseases because they've never been in contact with that before that causes issues with that their level for example the dirty word coronavirus oh no <laughs> she said the c word i said the c word i'm so sorry um yeah and the idea that the original controversial bat may not oh. have gotten the disease if it wasn't over yeah. predated by humans there, there is that conversation i can't remember where i read it but uh might have been last year or probably last mm. year where they're saying that climate change could lead to more yeah. pandemics yeah exactly um, um my one of my sister's friend 
um, the year before coronavirus was even known about, well, COVID-19 anyways, mm. um, they, she had a lecture because she does biology and um, they'd said the next big pandemic will be a coronavirus and then yeah. the December of that month. How crazy. But yeah, uh, so... It's the fact that it can be predicted. Yeah, yeah. Um, the idea that we are killing so many species and things will obviously affect us in so many ways. It's not not even in the ways it can think about. So mm. the idea that medicines and things could be from species that we, we haven't found yet, for example, mm. uh, and these could majorly help us in the future. But if we keep acting the way we are, then there's going to be none left. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to be able to access the potential benefits of different species and things if we go about what, what's happening. It's quite Ooh, sad. That is sad. Yeah. As we move on to sorry. our roundup, I'm so sorry. That was really sad. Kind of bring bring down the mood. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's what yeah, we're talking about. So, yeah. So roundup um, and sort of general thoughts on climate art. I did find an article um, uh, called Five Meaningful Ways the Art World Can Help Fight Climate Change According to Experts in the Field. Long title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by Naomi Rea uh, in 2020. So that was last year. It was actually just before lockdown. Ooh. I know. It was like March 3rd the article came wow. out. It was like, wow, you just got in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And it was a, it was a uh, I think it was a conference of artists and things like that, uh, specialists about exhibitions and things like that, mm-hmm. um, having a think about what art can do to help in, in climate activism. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things were rethinking exhibitions, so not taking funding from organisations that are actually involved in fossil fuels, fuels um, and then also using space wisely within galleries and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so thinking about where you're getting your your gallery funding yeah, from, yeah, which is interesting, um, yeah. especially because if if the organisation is funding a lot of issues like fossil fuels and stuff like that, <coughs> Barclays, <coughs> um, yeah, and then the other the other point made by Lucia. Lucia Pietra Yusti, um, who's a creator of the Serpentine's General Ecology Program. Um, uh, even suggests uh, this is a quote from the article now a radical redefinition of what constitutes an artwork so part of the ethos is to expand the definition of art to include environmental campaigns so uh, she said quote by ad- calling something an artwork you're allowing an institution to support it mm. end quote um, and so it's sort of tricking or allowing art institutions to actually support environmental projects mm. so um, yeah saying that putting something in a form of an artwork is more likely for it to be funded and for people to see it yeah um instead of maybe a community project or something like that yeah Um, which kind of has its benefits and its flaws and the fact that if it was a community project obviously it would get more people involved yeah yeah whereas if it's in an art gallery there's only people really in the city who of the art gallery that would be able to yeah and that that takes us back to what was it john a conference yeah um, piece yeah, that yeah, yeah you have to be, be there, there to in the gallery it. to get it exactly so yeah, yeah. It, it is this question of does art help does it inspire and mobilize people and people's thoughts mm-hmm. um and also i like 
to see art as much of uh, like a much wider thing than just paintings I mean I was talking about Mad Max (laughs) Um, so is this sort of definition of climate change art actually much broader because it could cover protests songs documentaries fashion community spaces Mm. yeah and I think especially like by working with communities as well it's um yeah so the protest that was in Market Square in Durham that we went to yeah um, that was run by just... It, it was, it was Extinction even, Rebellion yeah, Durham. Extinction Rebellion, and there was, like, the climate action people and things like that. There was quite a few random people, like, random organisations and stuff that were all there. Yeah. Um, But it kind of seemed more like a community, which was nice, I think. The, yeah, and um, the fact that it went into... Was it St Nicholas's... Is that the church in Marketplace? Possibly. And, like, it was a town hall and things as well. Yeah, use of the town hall. So yeah, no, it was including St Nicholas's Church as well. Yeah, and the um, town hall. Yeah, they had soup. So, oh, it was great. That was great. I've still got the little coconut bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it was nice the fact that it was such a community thing because it felt like people were making a difference. And um, yeah. Um, yeah, so the fact it was run by a community kind of gives the idea that things are things are getting done you know and it's not um it wasn't corporations big corporations and governments making empty promises like we've seen at cop 26 um (laughs) uh that are kind of promising things and then you kind of doubt that anything's really going to happen it was sort of like this is what's happening right now yeah do you want to get involved and it feels much more like hopeful yeah and exciting rather yeah. than you feel empowered yeah um rather than hopeless exactly and i think that's what that community kind of art and that extinction rebellion specifically yeah. kind of art it makes you feel a lot more like there is something that we can do uh-huh. um um and it's not completely hopeless like i think with some artworks it is more they seem to be more promoting awareness, but I think we've yeah. gone beyond awareness yeah, now. Yeah, I think everyone's aware now. I think aware now, so everyone is to, yeah. aware. Um, and now it's more about... Promoting change. Yeah, being yeah. Uh, like actively trying to change something. Yeah. Um, rather than just trying to make people aware of it. Um, and I think that's what a lot of these artworks do do yeah. if you are there present. But especially like protests or community uh-huh. spaces um and things like that i mean that that um that protest even had uh a choir they had yes. a climate choir yeah who all sang um, songs about the which climate. i'd never was, seen before and which was, was quite it was really quite sweet yeah um um and that again had everyone uh, involved yeah. yeah and even and i think one of the songs they'd said was passed around um cop 26 and that like everyone at COP26 had this same song, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. Um, and again, kind of as linking back um, to probably well, Extinction Rebellion and um, I can't remember which one the other one was, but about the fact that we're all in it together and that there is we are one community and one humanity and that we all need to do our best to make a difference. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of some of the indigenous artwork as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thinking about... Um, um, it's that key quote again of nothing is separate. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think that could be extended to no one is separate. Yeah. Or um, everyone, everyone should be in it together. Yeah, in a exactly. Way. 
So yeah, climate change art. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of thoughts on it. So yeah. much climate change art. So much climate change art. Um, but more than I was expecting, yeah. if I'm honest. And it really yeah. does go from like primary school kids making yeah. stuff to massive large scale protests. Yeah, exactly. Or massive e- exhibitions. Mm-hmm. And I think they all have a massive impact um, upon people's thoughts about climate change, upon like the conversation around it and people's actions towards it as well mm. um in varying ways but i think they all i think yeah they do help mobilize people yeah. um like their thought or just themselves uh-huh. um i think all climate change art is good climate change art yeah <laughs> um, yeah no great all, all of it is effective there is degrees of effectiveness uh-huh. but um I think it is interesting that there is that whole niche now. There yeah. is a whole niche of artwork which is just to do with climate change. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's a much larger niche than <laughs> you anticipated. Than anticipated. <laughs> there was me messaging Fran the other yeah. night saying, "Hey, Fran, do you want to do a, a podcast about climate change art?" Thinking, like, yeah, that sounds fun. And think, you were like, and I was like, oh, "Is it like a bit of a plan?" Yeah, I'll send you a good good luck. Cool. I'll I'll, I'll have a look at it five pages long yeah I was gonna say I'll have a look at it the day before and then I was like oh no (laughs) no um so yeah I will also link as much as I can um articles or um pictures of the artwork and stuff like that on the Instagram um uh, yeah, just so you can see where we've got all this information from. I mean, I could link the whole document. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely um, check out the Instagram for, for what we've had a chat about if you want to know yeah. more about each bit. Do you want to plug anything? Um, yeah, I suppose my science Instagram. Yes, <laughs> do it, do it. Um, yeah, so I've been doing some research and things at the minute. Um, I'm trying to boost my science awareness I suppose is the best way to put it uh, at geogeordie geo.geordie on Instagram uh, that's me uh, <laughs> yeah um, it's just sort of going over what I'm doing at university um, and because I'm, I'm kind of wanting to go into academia and things on issues surrounding climate change both past present and future uh, past being geologic past so. geologic past <laughs> so yeah um but also just my normal Instagram, which is just <laughs> Fran Warren X. <laughs> nice and basic. But yeah, um, we have a lot of things without Mary's and Eco Do You. Go and follow Eco Do You and um, St. Mary's Environment Society. If you're at St. Mary's, if not, go and follow your own colleges. Um, there is a lot of things that happen a lot of the time. If you're interested, get in touch with who you think is um who you need to and if you don't know contact me and i'll pass you on amazing cool i think amazing fantastic (laughs) (laughs) brilliant uh i'll make sure to link things either in the description or in on instagram cool um amazing so yeah thank you for being here today thank you for having me this has been great (laughs) i really enjoyed it i'm so glad (laughs) no it was it was a really good chat um uh had a good time yeah same i hope you had a good time listening too yeah um, thank you for listening yeah thank you so much for listening um i've been ariel and i've been fran um and this has been pulling back the canvas purple radio podcasts thanks for downloading this purple radio podcast for more great content and to listen live head to purpleradio.co.uk.